Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. You know, when we talk about the name of Jesus, we're, we're not just identifying him, just, hey, we have a name to call him. It's actually his name is a label. It's who he is. And we live in a, a culture of labels. Everyone's wanting to label you. Everyone's wanting to identify you of what they think that you should be, whether it be a political party, whether it be a, you know, a religion that you have or any, it meant anything. I mean, we just, we are, we are very, we're, we're kind of like those, those little label makers, right? We're just printing them up and putting them on people. And so when we talk about Jesus, he, he actually does have a label. He's, he, he is the Messiah. He is the one that saves. He is the one that rescues. He does have an identity. He does. There is a label on him. It's a banner. <laughs> Come on. It's a banner. His name is a banner. It is identifying who he is, that he is king, that he is ruler. And if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll, we'll take all these labels that people have spoken over us, maybe something that we've spoken over ourselves, maybe a, a diagnosis. Man, this is one of the things that frustrates me so much. I suffer from this. I suffer from that. Label, label, label. And it doesn't take long to, to where you are hidden in all these labels. And I believe the Lord is calling us to a place where we'll say, I'll have one label. I belong to him. I belong to Jesus. When we say Christian, you can, you can say whatever you want about that term, about that title, whatever culture says about it. I will gladly identify with Christ. My life has been hidden in him. This is where he wants you, beloved. He doesn't want you being labeled by, by your upbringing, by what you read on the internet, by some comment that somebody made towards you. He wants you to find your identity in him, that your life is so hidden. And I can tell you today, you are gonna look all over this world. You're gonna, you, most of us will spend our life wanting good labels attached to us, but I can tell you there's not a better label. There's not a better label than the banner over our life that says, I belong to Jesus. I, I want to invite you to get comfortable for just a moment. I, I'm not going to sp spend a long time, and I, I, I'm going to keep the band up here because I, I don't want to feel bad about having them stand up. Every year, our, our first service, we normally try to just really focus on ministry, and maybe there'll be an exhortation, and, and that's what I want to give give you guys today. I was asking the Lord a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, Lord, what do you, what do you want to do in, in our people that first Sunday back? What do you want to do in the people that are going to be in that room? What do you want to do? And I felt like the Lord gave me a statement. And the statement is this, don't look back. I know it's an easy thing to say for a new year, but some of you have already been looking back, right? You're like, oh, there goes, there goes last year. But, but more than, more than just saying, hey, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to, going to make all things new, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm saying that you are no longer going to allow your history to define you. 
Jesus in Luke chapter 6 is talking about the cost of following him. I'm not talking about the cost of believing him. I'm not talking about the cost of coming to him. I'm talking about the cost of following him. Listen, coming, coming to Jesus will cost you nothing, but following him will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. So he's talking about this. Guys, listen. This is what he's saying. Guys, listen. It's going to cost you everything. So we see disciples dropping their nets. We, we see, we see a James and John leave their, their family business. They leave their father and their nets to follow Jesus, to follow this man. That, that was not an easy decision. I mean, imagine your, your family has a lucrative business. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to follow this man I just met, the miracle worker that you've heard about. And they're like skeptical. I don't know, man. I mean, we're, we're good Jewish people. We're right with God. They're like, he's the one. So I don't know what's going to happen to the business, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow this man. They, they weren't, that, that wasn't a wicked thing. It wasn't a wicked occupation. It was noble. It was needed. It was necessary. But they said, we're going to, Whatever, Lord, whatever, whatever you ask of us, we'll give it. And so they leave their nets. In Luke chapter 9, 62, it says this, Jesus makes this statement about the kingdom. And it's intense. He says this, anyone who puts, Luke 9, 62, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. That's a hard word because we just kind of want to ease into Jesus, you know, just kind of, come on, Lord, let's just, let's just deal with this portion and let's deal with this portion. And, and I got this, this, this past that I'm trying to reconcile and I have all these little things that I, that I'm kind of hold on to. And I'm just, and so people were making excuses, Lord, let me go bury my family. Let me go do this. Let me go do that. And then Jesus says, listen, if you are caught up looking over your shoulder, if you are caught up that what has happened over the, the, the work of your life, the moment you experienced last year, the moment you experienced last week, the kingdom of God is not fit for people that are living in the rearview mirror. Listen, you say, oh man, that's not me. I'm, I'm like going after the Lord. Like I have my devotional life. Listen, if it fits, if it hinders our pursuit of Jesus in any way, it's a distraction. In any way, it's a distraction. The cost of following him is high. It's everything. So Jesus makes a statement in Luke chapter 17. He says, remember Lot's wife. <laughs> if you know the story of Lot, He's related to Abraham. And there's this city called, these kind of twin cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And they're wicked, wicked cities. And it says that they're grievous in the sight of the Lord. The Lord is like, uh-uh, I'm not gonna tolerate this anymore. So Abraham goes to the Lord and he's like, Lord, if it, God's like, I'm gonna bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. You got family there, so I thought you should know because he's a friend of God. Abraham. And so God tells him, he's like, I'm, I'm going to rain down judgment. These cities are so wicked. And he's like, Lord, if there's like a hundred people there that are righteous, would you preserve the city? God's like, yeah, I, I would preserve it. 
And he just works down. Well, Lord, there's 50 people. He gets down. He's like, if there are 10, he's like, Lord, if there are 10 people there, would you preserve the city? He's like, 10 righteous people. And he's like, the Lord's like, there's, there's nobody, nobody there is. There's no, nothing good there. Well, Lord, I, I, know, I know Lot, Lot and his family, they're there. You know them. They're good. He's like, oh, he's like all right, let's, let's warn them. So the Lord warns them and they leave the city. And they're walking away from the city. The city, listen, that they had built their lives upon, that they had raised their family and they're leaving the city. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a good place to live, but it was still home. And they're leaving and they're walking on this journey and the judgment of God strikes the city. So those fun Bible stories, right? And they're walking and Lot's wife turns around and looks. And what she does, the Bible says that she became a pillar of salt. Why? Because she never left. It wasn't that she glanced over her shoulder. It's not like she looked at Medusa or something. It's that she, it, she wanted the old life. She wasn't willing to forsake all. And so Jesus says, remember that. Remember that as a lesson to not look back. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. We fight so hard to keep what we've earned to keep our body of work, don't we? Whoever keeps his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it. You wanna save your life, you lose it. You lose it, you just say, Lord, here's my life. And this is the thing. This is what's so beautiful about it. It's actually a gift of abandoning in our life. We see it as a cost, but it's actually a gift because the Lord has something so much better, so much more fulfilling, so much richer than the life that you possess right now. Philippians, the Apostle Paul now, now, the Apostle Paul had a good body of work before he came to Jesus. I mean, he was like the, he was like the Pharisee among Pharisees. I mean, he, he had it good. He probably was, was pretty rich. He probably had a lot of money. He's very respected in his field. And he was very good at keeping the law. Not the law of the heart, but the written law the Mosaic law. And he says this in Philippians chapter three, verse eight. He says, I consider everything a loss. My whole life, everything that I've developed, everything that I've built in my life, I consider it a loss for the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. For whose sake I have lost all things. All of them all the achievements, all the accolades, all the titles, all of it. I'm willing to give it all up. And most of the time when we come to the Lord, we're like, Lord, what can I hold on to? Right? 
I mean, don't we kind of make deals with God? Lord, what can I hold on to? He says, I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Then he says this in verse 12. He says, not that I've already attained this. And he's talking about the fullest extent of knowing Jesus. He's like, I I don't know him fully. I'm following him. I'm learning from him. I'm I'm growing in him. But he says, "I, I, I, I haven't been made perfect yet. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Again, the fullness of knowing Jesus. But one thing I do know this, forgetting what is behind. And when he's talking about forgetting here, he's talking about his good stuff. The things that people look at him and admired him and said, man, Paul, Saul was his name. You're doing good. We're giving you a raise. We're giving you a promotion. You're doing really good. You're keeping the the law. He says, no, man. Once I found Jesus on that road to Damascus, there's nothing else worth chasing. There's no one else worth following. Not a law, not a system, none of that. I want to follow in the man that I met. The man that blinded me with his glory. Literally. I want him. It's interesting that he was blinded. But he saw. (laughs) Come on. He finally saw the one worth seeing. And he was blind to everything else. God gave him his sight back. But he finally saw things for the way they needed to be seen. Brothers, I don't consider myself to take hold of it. I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? The prize is knowing him. I'm not going to get up here and tell you you're going to have successful and you're going to, you're going to have success and you're going to have money in the bank and you're going to have all this stuff and we're preaching blessing, 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 blessing. I believe God will do that in your life. But listen, the greatest thing that will ever happen in your life is knowing him. Listen, I'm not talking about meeting him. I'm talking about knowing him. And some of you have met the Lord, but you don't know the Lord. I mean, I met Leslie when she was 15 years old, but I didn't know her. And what's crazy, I'm still getting to know her. All these 10 years later. (laughs) It's 22 years, 23 years later. And in human relationships, humanly speaking, there's there's no one I want to know more. This is the way it is with the Lord. We meet him and then we get to know him. Listen, I, I don't beloved, we would we would be so messed up if we came in and got you to sign up for something or baptized you or, or whatever, whatever the whatever the the moment is. We'd be so amiss if we just did that and said, You're good. What what good is it for you? What good is it for you if you just had a moment, if you just encountered the Lord one time, if you're not like having more encounters, if you're not knowing him, if you're not connected with him, 
eternity, yeah, eternity's awesome. But eternity is more than a place you go. It's a, it's a life that you live. It's a person you're connected to. It's him. Heaven is him. He is heaven on earth. That's exactly what the incarnation was. Heaven being revealed on earth. He's, he's the one that we're pursuing. And then we, we find that so many things that used to, be, used to matter so much, they don't matter anymore. So Philippians chapter three, where we just read in the Passion Translation, I want to read this to you and I'm going to share a couple of words and then we'll be done. I admit to you that I have not acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Christ Jesus had called me to fulfill and wants to discover. I do not depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all, all of it, all of the past, and I fasten my heart on the future instead. He's not ta- Listen, he's not talking about a purpose-driven life here. He's talking about a person-driven life. Knowing Jesus. That'll preach. I'm going to write a book called that. The person. The person-driven life. The other one's a good book. This is what I've noticed. I've noticed that many people, when they sign up, they leave everything. But I've been around long enough to to notice that people slowly pick things back up. And the disciples are no strangers to this. In, In John chapter 21, Jesus dies, he's resurrected, and they go back to fishing. And Jesus knew it, so he shows up on the beach and they're fishing. Not to rebuke them, but to invite them. Come on, boys. Let's eat together. Let's fellowship. I know you've gone back. I know you've, you've started picking up those nets again. I know you got in that boat again. I know you're back to fishing. This isn't what I called you to. You're supposed to be fishers of men. But come on, let's have some breakfast. He's realigning their purpose once again. I love how patient the Lord is. Because <laughs> a lot of times we could preach a message like this and we could just leave full of shame and condemnation. I don't want you to have that today. What I want you to do is I want you to have breakfast with the Lord. I want you to sit down with him and I want you to have some moments with the Lord and say, yeah, I've gone back to fishing. But I'm ready for you to line it all up. So I want you today to again, or maybe for the first time, to leave it all behind. How much, Pastor? What's the Lord requiring of me? All of it. That's a lot, I know. Every day, every day, I'm giving the Lord something new. Sometimes it's an attitude. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's time. 
is the Christ-centered life. So these are three, three areas real quick. Number one, the past. And by that, I mean this. Regret, sin, shame. The past. Well, I'm supposed to forget everything. I'm supposed to leave the, yes, everything. I'll, listen, the only time that we're ever supposed to look back is to remember the Lord. To remember what the Lord had taken us through. That, that's the only time that you're supposed to. I, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of man, man, I got a body of work. I'm 30 years into the Lord this year. And it's easy for me to look at that and just start wearing it like a badge. But if I'm not pursuing him, if I'm caught up in that, listen, the, the past is meant to be built upon, not trip us up. And listen, the successes of your past can trip you up just as much as your failures. This was what Paul's talking about. They're rubbish. Not a big deal. It's not where I came from. It's where I'm going. The second is this, the successes. Again, the past, the successes. Don't allow your history with God to limit your future in Him. Don't allow your history with God to limit your future in Him. I remember when I first came to the Lord 30 years ago, there were this group of people that attended our church and all they could talk about was the move of God that they experienced 20 years ago. And as a new believer and as someone who was in the current move of God, the current stream that was happening, there was nothing that turned me off more than that to hear about what God had done back in the day. And it was almost kind of like that was way better than what's happening now. Listen, we serve the God of, of the future glory. The current glory will be greater than the past glory. The future glory will be greater what God's going to do later is going to is bigger than what he's doing now. So I want to be in the moment of what he's doing now and geared towards the future of what he what he's going to do then. Future. So don't don't get caught up, man, God did this thing and nothing else can top that. Listen, I've spent I've spent the last 30 years going, Lord, will you top it? I want to know you more. I'm just not satisfied. I just don't know him enough yet. I mean, I'm, I'm, he's still working on my heart. I want to know him. I, I haven't figured him out yet. Do you want to know him? pain are you willing to give up the pain see some people carry this badge called pain this badge called suffering and they go look how much I said this is their label I'm a sufferer I suffer you think that there's some kind of merit for that there's no merit for misery 
And some people think that I'm going to go to heaven and God's going to be so proud of me because I was so miserable. No, you just, you're going to get to heaven. God's going to love you. He's going to welcome you in. But everyone that is going to experience life with you, they're going to be frustrated because all you ever talked about was the pain that you went through. You don't get some special reward because you went through something difficult. Who hasn't? Who hasn't suffered? I'm not saying that all suffering is the same, but I'm not making light of your suffering. I'm saying there's a greater glory. You will suffer. There's no question. In this life, you will have trouble. Yes. But will you discover the Lord? Romans 8, we love to quote that. He works all things together for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. You know what that purpose is? It's to look like Jesus. And you only look like the one that you behold. You only look like the one that you get to know. So I'm not undermining your experience or devaluing your pain, but I want you to excavate the pain of its purpose. Just dig mine that pain out and say, Lord, will you make me look like Jesus? Jesus.